Amen. Well, let's go over to Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. It says there, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in Him. Again, I say, Rejoice. Now, if you look in Philippians, Philippians, the word rejoice or joy is used 15 times in four chapters. Just look through it. In fact, um, I am tweaking the, the video person right now, but go down to Philippians 1 verse 3. A few scriptures down and then we'll come back up. Philippians 1, verse 3, just right at the beginning. This is the beginning. This is how he starts the chapter. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ, just as, as it is right for me to, to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are per, all partakers of me of grace. He starts off saying, always, verse 4, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Uh, just look at Philippians 1.18 real quick. Just the next verse on there. It says, What then, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. That's in the first chapter. And we could go through all of them. We're not going to do that tonight. But this is how he starts out. And so then if we can go back to Philippians 4.4, just look at it in the New King James. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. So he's, he, you just saw in, in 1 verse 18, he said, Rejoice and rejoice twice in the same sentence. And now he said it in two uh, sentences, one right after another. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say, Rejoice. So when is it time to rejoice? All the time. He said, rejoice always. Let's look at Peter 1, verse 6. Peter 1, verse 6. It says, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, 
yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So he started out in verse 6, said, In this you greatly rejoice, even if you're being tried right now. And then verse 8, he said, Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. Now, that word rejoice, and, and there's rejoice, the words translated rejoice, our, our purpose, at least now, I don't know that we'll get into it more, but at least now is not to do like, you know, in-depth word study on all the different parts of rejoice or anything like that, but there are a number of words that are translated rejoice. You know, the English word is rejoice, but there are a number of, of Greek words that are translated, and I'm not a Greek scholar, this is all, you know, concordance and uh, like Vine's Dictionary and things that you can readily find online if you wanted to. But um, this word rejoice that's in Philippians 4.4, 4, and a lot of the scriptures I'm going to say at least tonight, um, but you see the different facets of these words that are, are translated rejoice. Um, the ones in 1 Peter um, are some of these other words. But Vine's, it, there's a word that this is just translated to rejoice most frequently. It's also, uh, it means cheerful, calmly happy, or well off. This is, this is how the Bible dictionary defines it. And I'm going to read you some things in the, the English dictionary in a minute. But it's translated farewell, be glad, Godspeed, greeting, halt, joy, joyfully, and rejoice. There's another word that's rejoice with. So if I'm rejoicing with you. There's another word uh, that means to rejoice greatly, to exult, to jump for joy. In the King James, it's translated exceeding glad, with exceeding joy, rejoice greatly. There's another one that's to cheer, gladden, like to rejoice, to make somebody else rejoice. And that means to put in a good frame of mind. It's translated, make glad, merry, rejoice. You see in kind of the pattern. Then there's another one that's to boast, to glory. And it means to boast, to vaunt. It's, it's translated boast, glory, joy, rejoice. Now you don't got to remember all that stuff. This just th Those are the words that are in the Bible and how it's translated in the Bible. And these, when you see rejoice, it's one of those. But you can see these different aspects of what it means, and you're going to see overlap as we just read this in English, which I think will make it clear in the English dictionary, what this word means. Because we can talk about rejoicing, and I think we got a sense of what it is in general, but I want to read a little bit of what it means specifically. You saw some of these words, and we're going to see some of this overlap as we read it. This is out of the Merriam-Webster. It means to feel or express joy great delight or triumph. You can just look that up online. To feel or express joy, great delight or triumph. Synonyms for rejoice. Delight. Now, in your back of your mind, as we're reading this, Paul said, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. This is what he's talking about. Delight, exuberate, exult, 
glory, joy, jubilate, triumph. Remember, it's to express joy, great delight, or triumph. Words related to rejoice. I think some of these are telling, because this is some aspect of that, and you saw this brought out in some of the Bible dictionary. Gloat, preen, swell, boast, brag, flaunt, parade, show off, strut, swagger. That's all related to rejoice. And you saw that in some of the, in the, one mean, in the one type of the word we meant. Now, all these words don't mean this, but you get a sense of, of these different areas of what's being said. It does mean to boast or vaunt. Phrase, phrase, a, a phrase that's synonymous with jo- rejoice. Kick up one's heels. That's, that's along with rejoice. Kick up one's heels. Now, sometimes to, to get an idea of what something is, you can look at what it's not. And I like to do that sometimes. Just brings out, you know, we're just getting going here. We're going to lay a foundation. We're going to get going, probably do a flyover, and we're going to touch on some things. And then we're going to, you know, go on in this series. But tonight, just kind of flying over some of this. Some near antonyms for rejoice. Bemoan. Bewail. How many of you have ever used the word bewail? I don't think I've ever said that word until I saw this in the dictionary. Grieve, lament, regret, weep. Let me read them again. Bemoan, bewail, grieve. These are, these are opposites. Lament, regret, weep. So lament, bemoan, and bewail, if you look them up in the dictionary, they all mean the same thing. To feel or express sorrow for. To feel or to express sorrow for. That, that's what these words mean. These are opposites of rejoice. To grieve, to feel deep sadness or mental pain, is the opposite of rejoice. Regret. To feel sorry or dissatisfied about is the opposite of rejoice. To weep, we know what weep means. To cry and to make noises that, you know, you're not necessarily making words, but you can hear the person crying to weep. But that's the opposite of rejoice. That's what Paul's saying. Rejoice... He's saying, to feel or express joy, great delight, or triumph, always. And these other things that would hold back, that would be down, that's the opposite. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. So help me out. When is the time to rejoice? Always. Always. Keith Moore said this in a message I heard him. He had a little acronym. TTR, time to rejoice. Sometime there'll be a time in your life, or times in your life, or multiple times in your life, where you may need just to look at somebody and go, TTR. (laughs) You're in a position where something just came down, and you look at your spouse, or your friend, or your sibling, and go, TTR. 
you're speaking code. Time to rejoice. Help me out again. When is the time to rejoice? When is there not a time to rejoice? Oh, but surely if certain things happen, then it's time to bemoan, to bewail, to weep, to regret. Now, we're not belittling. There are certain times, certain things in life. Yeah, we have emotions. We walk through things. There is a grieving process. There is a difference between walking through something and staying there. Amen? And sometimes when we have something come into our life and we deal with situations, we can know that no matter what's going on, there's still it's still a time to rejoice. Do you know you can, you can rejoice as you're walking through something? You're not denying what's happening. You know what I'm saying? You're not denying the reality, but you're choosing to rejoice anyway. I'm not talking about something fake. We're not talking about putting on some smile, Christian, trying to be fake so you impress the people around you and then go, then go and just break apart. No, we're talking about genuine, you're going to rejoice anyway, in spite, in the face of anything. When is always? Always. It's always. When is it time to rejoice? Name a time. Doesn't matter what time it is. Let's look at John 20, verse 19. We're going to look at some, some times here. Now, these are all... Uh, that when, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I, again I say rejoice, these all fit that same thing. These, this, these words, sometimes it says glad, and we'll see that. It, say, it talks about being glad. It's the same word. It's talking about rejoicing. We're going to look at several examples of different times when people are rejoicing. Just to start out, now we're going to start doing some of that, but, you know, we may look at more. I believe we will look at more. But let's look at John 20, verse 19. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, the fear for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. So this is, Jesus has risen. This is after his crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection. Jesus stood, so the doors were shut. And there, in this room, and Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. Just appeared. That was, that's real. That's not science fiction. That happened different body just came right through the wall or just appeared right in the middle of them said to them peace be with you verse 20 when he had said this he showed them his hands and his side you know where he was showed them his wounds then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord when it says we're glad that's rejoicing well they saw Jesus after he was crucified after he's been risen, and 
they were glad. In the Young's literal translation, it says, The disciples therefore rejoiced, having seen the Lord. The disciples rejoiced. Well, they just saw Jesus. Is that a time to rejoice? Yeah. What kind of rejoicing would somebody be doing? They just saw Jesus. What's the reaction? We're looking at what is the reaction? They're excited. They, they're seeing the Lord. It says they rejoiced. In the Amplified, it says, When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. That's what we're talking about. When we talk about rejoice, if you saw Jesus right now in front of you, that rejoicing, that's a form, that's the same word that when Paul is saying rejoice always, again I say rejoice, that's what it's talking about right here when Jesus appeared and the disciples were filled with great joy. That's rejoicing. In the NIV it says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. When's the time to do this? All the time. Acts 13, verse 42. Let's look at another example. It says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So the people, the Gentiles are the non-Jewish people. Now most of us don't have Jewish background. We're, we would be considered Gentiles. But thank God we're included in the plan of salvation through Jesus. You realize they weren't, that wasn't well known at the beginning. It was all, you know, all the first Christians were all Jewish. And then eventually it started to, to branch out. But here, uh, Paul and Barnabas are going to the synagogues. You know, there was the, the incident in Acts 10 where, where Peter had the housetop experience and went and then with Cornelius and, and preached to them. But that's when it started to dawn on them, wait a minute, this is for everyone. It's not just for the Jewish people. So Paul and Barnabas, they've gone to the synagogue. And so let's look at verse 42. When the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So the Gentiles are saying, come preach to us. Verse 43, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. So they weren't happy that everybody came out to hear the word of God because they're religious. Verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Talking about the Jewish people. But since you reject it. So he is preaching the word to the Jewish people. He said, It was necessary we had to come to you. But... Since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound really super sweet, nice? 
oh, well, I mean, that's not politically correct, Paul. You can't talk to the Jewish people that way. He said flat out, we had to come to you, but since you judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, he's right in their face. Isn't he? I think he would probably be criticized, and he was criticized here, but I think, oh, you can't do that. You can't talk to them like that. The dude wrote a good portion of the New Testament. If he's wrong in this, what are we doing? This is the Bible. Well, you can't do that. Says who? Says somebody's stupid ideas? Stupid? You can say stupid. You shouldn't say that. Are you kidding me? You shouldn't call a person stupid, but they're stupid ideas. They're devilish ideas. It says, Paul got bold. He just got in their face. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. He didn't say, well, since you're rejecting it, let me see how else I can package it for you. Do you say that? Well, you're not, you don't like that? Okay, let me water it down for you. Maybe you'll like it then. No, he didn't say that. He said, since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 48, and when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. That's the same word, rejoice. And glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So he, they, they said, we went to you, Jewish people, you're rejecting it. So we're going to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles said, Yeehaw! They said, Praise God! They glorified the word of the, of, of the Lord. They, it says they were glad. That's rejoice. That's the same thing as when they saw Jesus. They're happy. They're rejoicing. In the in, uh, Amplified Classic, that, uh, verse 48, Acts 13, 48 says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified, praised and gave thanks for the word of God. In the Passion Translation, it says, When the non-Jewish people in the crowd heard these words, they were thrilled. And they honored the word of the Lord. Now, I want, I'm, I'm going through some of these examples. This, these are examples of what rejoicing looks like in these situations. This is what we're to do all the time. You see where Jesus appeared and they were rejoicing. You see where the word of God's, they said, we're going to preach to you and the word of God's for you. They're rejoicing. This is what we're able to do all the time. Revelation 19.6 Revelation 19.6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give Him glory. 
For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right blessed are those who call, are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So this is talking about in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, when the church is joined to Jesus. Verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice. Do you think there's going to be rejoicing in heaven at this party? Can you imagine what it's going to be like at this marriage supper of the Lamb? None of the darkness that's here, none of the death, the destruction, anything. We are in the presence of Almighty God and having a party in heaven. You talk about having a party. I mean, some of the parties now, you're limited. You can't do anything. All the statutes and everything, you know, can't have a big party. There's going to be none of that. A party in heaven. And it says they're going to be rejoicing. Do you think that's some kind of rejoicing in heaven? Same concept, same word when Paul said rejoice always. Same thing. What they're doing in heaven, we're going to do always. That's what it looks like. Romans 12, 9, 13, referring to this, says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope and expectation. Rejoicing. We see that what we just read in Revelation in front of us. Rejoicing. But that's now. We're rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now let's look at another one, Acts 8.26. Acts 8.26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. Now notice. So this Philip, if you go back and read, he's in the middle of a revival and the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, Arise and go toward the south. He tells him to go into a specific place. So this is specific direction from God. Verse 27, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Chariot. You notice how specific this is? Go near and overtake the chariot. God is leading him and telling him what to do. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. 
The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth, and in his humiliation his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Verse 34, so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now as he went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So he just, he didn't know what he was reading. He's reading the scripture. Philip comes and explains it to him. He sees the truth. And so he comes to water, and he says, Can, you know, anything keeping me from being baptized? Verse 37, Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Notice that, you know, Romans said, if you confess the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice Philip said, if you believe with all your heart. And he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He, he confessed Jesus, he believed. In verse 38, so he commanded the chariots to, to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. I'll just read verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities. He came to Caesarea. Now look at this. Verse 39, they came up out of the water, so he baptizes them. Comes up, as, a, as he came out, they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him knew, no more. He disappeared. That's not my topic tonight, but look at the word. That happened. He was translated to a different place. He was found at a different place. That's possible. That's what the word says. But it says, he went on his way rejoicing. He just saw the truth of God's word. He just got born again, and he is rejoicing. Same thing. Another circumstance showing us the type of circumstances where we said rejoicing is appropriate all the time. Well, it's, it's appropriate when you've just heard the word of God. It's appropriate when you see Jesus. It's appropriate when you're at the feast in heaven. It's appropriate when the word of God is preached to you as a Gentile. This, the acts that, the way you would respond in those situations is rejoicing. Okay, I've, I've gone over those. You got that? Do you see that type of behavior? You see Jesus. It's standing in front of you. Praise God. Jesus! It's, they were overjoyed. They're thrilled. When, they, when Paul and Barnabas said they were going to preach to the Gentiles, they're overjoyed. They're thrilled. They're, they're, wow, we get to hear the word of God. This man doesn't know what he's reading, and he sees the word of God, and he sees it clearly, and he's born again, and he's thrilled. This is rejoicing, that type of reaction in those situations. That's what we're supposed to be doing and having available all the time. Now let's look at Acts 5.40. Quite a different situation here. 
Now, I went over those because that's the type of reaction, what rejoicing looks like, is what you would do in those situations. We could say, you're at a birthday party. Imagine an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old at their birthday party. They've been waiting. They've been waiting for this thing. And they are so thrilled and so overjoyed, rejoicing. This picture, and we've read several examples of what it looks like in these situations. That's what rejoicing is. And now we can bring that behavior no matter what the situation looks like. Verse 40 says, And they agreed with him, and they called for the apostles and, and beaten them. Okay, so what's happened here? We're not going to go through it. But they've, they've take, they've, they're trying to shut down the apostles. And they basically said, Is it right to obey you? The, the religious leaders are trying to shut down the apostles from preaching. And the religious leaders are, are coming at them, and they say, what, is it right to obey you or to obey God? We're going to obey God. And there was a leader that rose up in there and basically counseled the people, if you try to stop this, you know, there's several things that are going to happen, but he advised them, don't try to stop them. So they beat them. So here, verse 40, they agreed with him. That's the man, Gamaliel, that just stood up and said, look, let this go. Don't, don't try to, to stop this. So they, the people there agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them. So the religious leaders had the apostles beaten. Now, does that sound like a party? Anybody you've been coming, you know, called it and beaten? The officials are, are beating you for, for your faith. We don't have that at this point in this country. They have it in other countries. They had it here. So it says, When they had called to, for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, same thing that we've read in these situations. We said, well, of course, of course. Jesus is here? Rejoice. Party in heaven? Rejoice. Just got born again? Rejoice. Going to preach to the Gentiles? Rejoice. Gotten beaten and told, don't you ever say the name of Jesus anymore? Rejoice. Same thing. Same, same. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So didn't shut up, didn't sit down, didn't go away, just kept doing it. Got up and kept going on preaching Jesus. Even though they got beaten, they rejoiced. 1 Peter 4, verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Now, we could go off on this. We're not, we're not going to teach on this. But suffering, there is suffering in the Bible. But it's not suffering what Jesus already suffered. If Jesus already suffered it for you, you don't need to suffer it. But persecution, you saw the apostles, they were not redeemed from that. 
Do you see that? They were doing what God told them to do. They were in the middle of what God told them to do, and they were suffering. They got beaten. Some people say, well, something's wrong. It says they just kept going out and doing it, and they rejoiced in the middle of it. Here it says, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. He, Christ, Jesus, put his flesh down and did what the Father told him to do. We are not redeemed from that. I know you don't want to say amen, but so anyway. We're not redeemed from that. Every one of us has to go before God the Father and say, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? And your flesh may not always like it. Certain things you may have to push through, but you rejoice in the middle of it, and you will suffer some things if you're going to walk after God. But that does not mean you have to suffer the destruction that Satan brings. There it, we live in a fallen world. We spent some time in that, talking about it in the, our last series. There is an enemy. We do live in a fallen world. But here it's talking about, to the extent you partake of Christ's sufferings, rejoice, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Why? Because you were doing what you were called to do on this earth, and in the middle of challenges, in the middle of pressure, you're going to rejoice anyway. You're going to push through. You're going to say, God, I'm going to praise you as if Jesus were standing right here and I'm seeing him face to face. I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to express joy, great delight, and triumph in the middle of when I'm getting beaten. Does that sound like victory? No. But that's when we rejoice anyway. It says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 2 Corinthians 13, 7, Paul says, For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak. When we are glad, when it says there, it says we rejoice. When we are weak and you are strong, but this we also pray that you may be made complete. He's saying we're glad when, we're, when we are weak, when we're getting pushed, but we're doing it for your sake and you're made strong. He said we're rejoicing in the middle of that. Philippians 2, verse 14 It says, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. And that verse 17, same thing. I am glad and I'm rejoicing. But notice, it's not something that looks like would make you happy. Doesn't, it's not like going to an amusement park. But in the, middle of God, in the middle of that, Paul's, Paul's exhortation 
the scripture still holds true to rejoice always. In the middle of whatever, in the middle of pressure at work, in the middle of uh, relationship pressure, in the middle of a financial pressure, in the middle of a challenge in your body, whatever the pressure is, we can rejoice. And we're told to rejoice, and we're told to delight, not in the thing, but in what we know apart from the thing, through our Lord Jesus Christ, the truth that we know, we're to look past what, look what's in front of us, and we're to rejoice. Any circumstance, we can do it. I didn't say it was easy. None of us have always done it perfectly, but every one of us can come up and, and Paul's admonition holds true for every person. And if we'll, if we'll, the more we're going to follow what he said, the more we're going to decide. See, it, it's so easy, isn't it, when we have pressure to slip back into bemoaning and complaining and regretting and go negative, but that's not what the Bible tells us to do. It tells us to go the opposite way, and in spite of that, to start rejoicing. Well, that does something. That breaks something. That's saying, this does not hold anything over me. I believe God, and I am with Him, and He is with me, and I will go through this circumstance and over, and I will triumph. You're acting like you are already partying in heaven in the, in the face of something that looks like you should be down crying. Amen. By the grace of God, by the strength of God, we can rejoice. Triumph, a shout of triumph. God is always present. He's always available. He's always there to help us. He's good. Amen? Amen.